Good afternoon, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm your host, Mona, and my co-host, Zuzo. How's it, guys? Um, Arsenal take on Liverpool. And a game that I was really confident for, for the first time in a long time, going to Anfield and taking on Liverpool. You know, I just felt there was a bit of something different in this Arsenal side. Let me just put also something out there right now, you know, since we're talking guy to guy, but also to the listeners. Um, you know, like last week with the podcast, I was very quite confident and then you were kind of, you know, very iffy on the game, right? And then as the, the, the days, like, I think it was like, what, a day or so between the podcast and then the match? Yeah. Then I think late Friday evening, then the sort of doubt that you had. And like, <laughs> oh, shit. I don't know. I, all of a sudden, I'm not getting that, 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 that positive vibes. And that, so it's not like, you know, what happens, happens. But, you know, back to the uh, podcast now. Um, Like, after the international break, I was now, you know, as I said now before, very upbeat in that, but as I, as I then move on to say, oh boy, uh, what was your thoughts on the starting eleven? Look, I don't think we could have changed much. I think Tavares, you know, we would have said he should start. I mean, we probably would have raised a few eyebrows if he got dropped from the team. I yeah. think, I think defensive midwise, I think Lakonga and perhaps um, Maitland Niles could have still worked. I think Party, I don't know if he's. If he's still injured and we'll get on with it in the game, you know, yeah. maybe that's you know something was wrong with him and wasn't right yet. But I think I would have maybe gone with uh, maybe uh, I know they could have been a bit experienced, but maybe they could yeah. have added something different and more legs in the in, in the middle of the park. But other than that, you know, I, I couldn't have changed for much. I think uh, we we wouldn't have, and I don't see any personnel other than that that you could have you know changed. I think yeah. if you look at a team sheet, you would have said, okay, you know what. They can't give this a right go, especially in the form that they were in of late. And I mean, like, the next point that I want to also bring up, it, it seems like the match was uh, based on a tale of two halves, because even though Liverpool were, you know, picking up the chances in that first period of the game, uh, you know, Ramsdale dealt with it. But I mean, I still felt there were certain aspects of our game in that, that, that first quarter or, or 25 minutes or so. We were almost like a bit loose, but... You know, the likes of Gabriel, Ben White, Tomiyasu, and even at, at that point, Tavares was also, you know, playing it very tight. They were doing their job. I felt uh, uh, Thomas Party almost seemed to get lost in the sort of tempo that the game was being played at. Lokonga was almost like trying to cover for himself and Thomas Party. And then, I mean, for me, the turning point happened in the 33rd minute because... Tete and Klopp then end up getting into a touchline spec because of something, I think it was, it was a, you know, a money tackle on, on, I think, Ben White or whatever. But my point was, I mean, I, I saw many, I've listened out to various podcasts, I've listened to various pundits regarding this matter. Uh, like, my personal opinion was, I really think Arteta should have reigned in the emotion somewhat. I mean, I don't have a, a problem if he had, you know, almost like nagged or complained by the fourth official, fine. But you could see, it's almost like, like that Jurgen Klopp, he uses this to his advantage, like to rile people up. He's done it also with, with people that you barely would think you're going to get a reaction out of. But he knows how to needle a, a, a opponent, a coach, opposing coach, to also get the Anfield crowd buzzing. And for me, up to then, up to the 33rd minute, we were almost like in control, I wouldn't say, uh, you know, dominating the game, but we were in control of how things were playing out then, because... The, the sound of the Anfield crowd alone was telling you everything that you needed to know because it was very almost like half dead 
like you heard like the odd bits of singing, but it was everything was kind of flat. And you could see they were getting more frustrated, the more chances they were fluffing, or the saves that Ramsdale was pulling off, or Arsenal were dealing. And then, of course, just the, every now and then the counters were almost like hurting them as well. But in that moment when, when Arteta and, and Klopp had their thing, that stadium just started rocking. And I mean, you could see the, that sort of atmosphere was refer, reverberating from, uh, you know, the coach riding up the fans to the fans riding up the, you know, the ground as a whole. And then, it, I mean, of course, it, it starts drifting into the, on the pitch level. And the players also started getting fired up as well. No, I agree. I think, I think it was that Mane should have been sent off, in my opinion. I mean, there was three challenges, you know, where he got booked for mm-hmm. the one, but the other two could have easily been sent could have been sent off as well. But like you said, you know, and, and, and before you mentioned it, I never realised how much actually the, the that spat between Arteta and Klopp yeah. and I held up the crowd and got the crowd booming and singing and, you know, on Arsenal back. And suddenly it became more of a golden because like you said, mm-hmm. Arsenal were actually stifling them. You know, we, we had our attacks here and there. The ball did end up in the back of the net as well for us, for the offside decision. But, I mean, you know, we were stifling them. We were making it difficult to play. And, mm-hmm. But like you said, you know, that riled up the crowd and and Arsenal started making silly mistakes. I mean, Aubameyang as well, you know, was anonymous. A large part of the game kept on being offside and then commits a, a, a foul. Uh, needlessly just pulling. I can't remember, I remember which level play it was. He brought a, a guy down for a foul. Yeah, I mean, a needless free kick. And then, of course, now this can also lead me to a, a sort of talking point within our evaluation of the game. The free kick ends up, it gets taken by Trent Alexander-Arnold and the minute he crosses the ball, you can already see this like trouble occurring like with the way people are picking up players because, I mean, I just even did a little sketch here on my notes where I had like, Thomas Party was, you know, marking Virgil van Dijk, uh, 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 Gabriel was marking Mane. And I mean, the minute, uh, what was his name? Like, the party is, of course, watching the ball. And as that free kick gets taken, he does not see that Virgil van Dijk is pulling off his shoulder, almost like a decoy run. And as he makes a decoy run, it kind of for a split second, it puts Gabriel off. And in that, I mean, even if, because you can even do a freeze frame, like when you, like after the podcast or whatever, have a freeze frame, look at that, that moment in that leading up to the eventual goal by Mane. But, just through that split second where Virgil and Dax pulls off and then, because Gabriel doesn't know whether he should go after him or stay back and watch Mane. But I mean, by the time Mane is already receiving the ball, he's only like, uh, it's a free header because Gabriel don't have the time to really jump. And I mean, they go ahead. And But I mean, for me, again, a sort of error that we end up, you know, shooting ourselves in the foot. We did that against Villarreal as well. I don't even remember in the semi-final in party. Also lost Raul Albiel or the flight of the ball and lost Albiel. Or easy header, I, mean, yeah. I think it was headed in there. And I mean, that goal ultimately knocked us out. So, you know. In that game, sorry to interrupt you, but that was also a game where Thomas Party didn't pick up the run at the far post. Yeah, so exactly that. That was exactly trying to bring into it. was once again Party. And I've always been a big fan. Like, you know, I've tried to always cover for him. But I mean, yeah. slowly but surely, you know, you're seeing the cracks in his game. And, and I think he needs a midfield partner that's going to dominate with him. I don't think he can do that groundwork on his own. I think you that's why you see when, when Xhaka plays, mm-hmm. it's almost like Xhaka, you know, they bring the pace out of each other weirdly enough. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, but then, like you said, 
tell me, yeah, so up until that point was dealing very well with Mane. You know, Mane, was getting, that's why he was committing those fouls. Tell me, yeah, so never allowed him to, you know, get past and drive past him. So, you know, like you mentioned, you know, Arsenal conceded a silly goal, 1-0. But at that point, you know, deep down, you still felt, you know, yeah, yeah. it's not about winning the game. It's about holding on up until, you know, any point and nipping the draw. Because, like I said, anything more than a point, I mean, anything more than zero points in this game would have been an absolute bonus. Especially the fact that West Ham lost, United lost. We were still fifth place before the kickoff. It was kind of a game without any pressure on, but... So, 1-0 down, you're still thinking, you know, there, there is something here in this game. Yeah. Because, I mean, I also, uh, like you, uh, went to half-time, 1-0 down, but also somewhat frustrated, but, of course, knew that we're still in the game, so it's, uh, like, only a one-goal deficit. Then the second half starts, and, I mean, yeah, I'm expecting us to uh, consolidate and gain somehow control in the game, because, I mean, for me, it was also suddenly heading to, like, one-way traffic, because... There were periods in that first, especially I think first five minutes where the ball was not even reaching the halfway line because every time it just got hoofed forward, they end up winning the scrap or the 50-50s and the ball just comes back again. And I mean, they were like trying to pepper Ramsdale whenever they could in that little that short period of time. And then 52nd minute, uh, Tavares ends up overplaying with the ball instead of laying the ball off. And I mean, this is not typical playing in Jurgen Klopp tactics because... You know, the minute he takes an extra touch, he already gets surrounded by Oxford Chamberlain, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and Mo Salah. And, I mean, he ends up panicking, trying to look for outlet. And, I mean, he just almost like blind passes the ball towards Ramsdale. And, I mean, uh, Jota in the, in, ends up uh, intercepting the ball, gets Ben White and Ramsdale to hit the deck with a drop of the shoulder, and then, I mean, ends up rolling the ball into the empty net. 2-0 Liverpool. Yeah, you know, looking back at it, goal, you can't. I, I can't blame Ben White for doing it. Yeah. I think I would have done the same thing as defending you, blocking the shot. But you know, a big ups to Jota. I mean, top class composure as a striker. Yeah, he's you know, as someone who used to play up front. You know, and to do that, to you know, fake the first shot and do it again. You know, big ups to him for that goal to make it two 0 And I think at that point, you know, it was that you know that 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 glimmer of you know. It takes one goal and suddenly Liverpool are on the rock. So I wasn't too too fussed about it yet. So I still thought there was something in it for us. But and then our, like I think then of course immediately the X he ends up taking uh Lakonga off and bringing Maitland Niles on to somehow get stability. But I for me, you know, funny enough, uh, of course, you know, I as I say, I said it's always twenty twenty. I just think to myself. You know, Lokonga did not have the best of games, but I still think he was offering more than what Thomas Partey was doing. So I actually thought that's where Arteta kind of got it wrong because probably based on the reputation, Partey keeps his place, you know, in the squad and the younger guy gets hold of. And I think that was actually wrong because I'd rather have somebody that has the legs that can go and, and, and you know, offer a bit more. Shows that he's almost like willing to press as, as well and, and tackle and then to do the dirty work. Because I, I just feel at times Thomas Party reminds me of somebody that also, if the chips are down, he almost becomes like a luxury player like we used to get frustrated with Ozil as well, where you think to yourself, I mean, you've got this sort of label as a like you know, beast in midfield, and then you end up seeing him just only like getting bumped off the ball, getting, you know, out-muscled or hustled with the ball. So, you know, offers really nothing in midfield. So, the, we end up having a, a chance but with Aubameyang. Fantastic ball through ball, the, the, the whole build-up. Uh, takes place. But I mean, Obama ends up forcing a save out of Allison, and 
there's also the thing that, that uh, uh, Arteta's tactics at the time, it was also frustrating. I mean, uh, I don't know if it's just tactics or also the players around as well, because the minute Alisson spills the ball or, you know, he makes it half safe, I really thought uh, Lacazette's going to be there for a tap in. And I mean, Lacazette's standing on the halfway line. So, you know, it's not like you, you, we end up having the striker being isolated from all the offensive players as well, because... That's how Liverpool have set up, and that is how we end up falling to a sort of trap where we, you know, end up just isolating our players. I mean, that goal would have made it. That should have made it two-one. I mean, it was a good save, tight angle, but I mean, yeah. you know, you should be doing better in a in a situation like that, especially at Anfield. You know, I think that could have easily, you know, turned the game on his head and thrown like the cat amongst the pigeons. Yeah. So, sixty-seven minutes. Also, make another substitution. Odegaard coming on for Lacazette. I think that by that time his races also run. Um, again, Tavares having a shock over again, getting dispossessed over and over with the ball, and all of a sudden you can see Liverpool almost like just exploiting the play just on him, like you know playing the moves and whatever through on that that flank. Then 73rd minute, a tactical kick by Liverpool. Allison ends up hitting to the ball to uh, to Marcus, who ends up finding Jota, and I mean who's the header from. Uh, Jota alone takes out, I think, the whole Arsenal defence because yeah. immediately Mane is already springing onto the ball. The you know the ball is loose, ends up sprinting through Arsenal, of course, struggling to you know catch up to him alone. And I mean, in that um, opportunity of trying to close him down, they end up leaving Mane uh, Salah open, and I mean Mane just leaves the ball on the plate for Salah to bury the ball. Three 0 Liverpool. Yeah, no, that was it for me, you know. I was still watching this that game at the 30th birthday bash of, of a Liverpool fan. So, you know, I, I was just like, you know, you sitting here, you sacrifice, and this is the type of performance. I mean, you know, individual errors costing us again. Yeah. I mean, we, like you said, we were always losing the second ball every in the second half. Every single time. I mean, the Ramsdale playing his heart out. And I mean, you know, you leave him exposed like that. And like you said, um, uh, Mane sprinting open and like you know it's just everybody just pulled out of position and like you said three 0 to Liverpool and you're thinking to yourself you know there's no way back anyway you just have to kind of accept defeat yeah and then 77 minute Arsenal again the defensive shambles as Liverpool are just you know tip tapping the ball through the through the lines and I mean the ball ends up coming again to Trent Alexander Arnold who ends up getting to the byline cutting the ball back I think one of the Liverpool players still dummy the ball you know like. Uh, you know, let the ball run across their body and Namina comes at the back post to tap in for a fourth goal. Hammering for Arsenal full time. Yeah, I mean, what, what more can you say? You know, I think we all, if you had to look at it from, from start of the game, you know, Liverpool are better than Arsenal currently. Yeah, you know, yeah. let's face it, it's, it's one of the best teams in the world probably at the moment against the youngest team in the Premier League. So, you know, it wasn't a surprising result of all, but we didn't expect a 4-0, you know, yeah. maybe we expected more. But if at, 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 if you look at certain decisions, you know, the money thing, I'm not going to go say, you know, that would have changed the game, but I mean, the red card, you know, shifts things a bit. But you also have to look at it from a point of view that, you know, at one uh, silly silly free kick given away for the first goal, silly marking by party for the first goal. Then you have to look at the second goal, Tavares plays you know, uh, a, a suicidal back pass. And obviously, at 2-0 up, you have to change your game plan and shape. So, you know, it was just one of those days in the office, but, you know, we have to shake ourselves and move on. 
I mean, I think for me, the, the thing that was still a bitter pill to swallow was the fact that we just got ourselves to a, you know, zero goal difference, and now we're back to minus four again. So it's almost like, yeah, we're getting the, the like, you know, with, with that, that run we were on, we had now the points in the bag, we were now carving our way through that that sort of bad, uh, you know, goals against uh, tally that we had. And now that we just get almost like on par again, now we get, you know, going to the negatives again. So, I mean, this now also leads us now to the next match, Arsenal-Newcastle on Saturday, early kickoff. Um, I really think that should be the game where Arsenal should try to somehow, you know, get ourselves back on that scoring charts again and almost like take our wrath out on them, actually, with a sort of, you know, you know, sort of like the way United used to go about things back in the day. Or Man City, if they come out of a loss, and they normally, you know, kind of take it out on a team that comes up next. Yeah, yeah, you know, like the 5 0, 6 0, drabbing, or like a 4 0, you know. That would be kind of good. And I think Newcastle, I think I'm slowly, they're finding their feet slowly, but surely. I think I think there's obviously a better mood around the, the, the club. Luckily, we're playing at, at the um, Emirates Stadium, but I do think, you know, we, we should. Get the points against Newcastle and just get back on 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 a winning run again. But this is going to be a true test for Arsenal because yes, it's been going all smoothly for you yeah. know the the best of time. But now it's all about how you react now, and that's going to determine you know the way forward at the club. You know, is this a different Arsenal or are the players going to go into some sort of meltdown? You know, maybe draw against Newcastle, then they drop points against United and Everton, and so it goes on. So it's going to be a, a big a, a big kind of test for us in a in its own right tomorrow um, Saturday, even though we're playing against uh, Newcastle. Yeah, because uh, look, they're now twentieth position. So I mean, uh, sometimes a person also fall for that trap. We think, okay, they bottom of the table is going to be a walk in the park. I mean, you know, they're going to come, you know, playing their hearts out. And I mean, especially with the owners now coming on like, to every match now to watch. So they also like want to prove something because I mean, at the moment. They do ship a lot of goals. I mean, really a lot of goals. And I think the only, you know, true, you know, gems for them right now is uh, Callum Wilson and St. Maximin. Because, I mean, they keep that team driving forward because they are, they always have goals in them, the two of them. Or if they're not making, they're always banging in the goal. So that is almost like a warning that we should be eating. Because, I mean, <clears throat> like if you're going to that game now and you now saw that what happened in the level, Liverpool game. What would be your changes for that game? Tierney, I think I would bring in. Tierney, I would bring in at left yeah. back, and then um, I think um, Lukonga with with, with Maitland Niles. Maybe give party a break. Um, I think I would leave it at that. I don't know if I would would possibly. Um, one Pepe, if he's available, to to maybe get the start just to kind of add a new dimension. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think it would maybe just be bring in Maitland Niles and maybe bring in um, bring in Tierney and yourself. I mean, I actually would agree with you with the latter point also. I would actually maybe think of bringing in Pepe and even Odegaard just to get some sort of you know, like with people that got. A point to prove. I mean, uh, of course, sometimes we always say that, and then the players end up disappointing in that. But I mean, I just think to myself, there's now almost like the, a golden opportunity for people like Odegaard and Pepe not to express themselves because you know they uh, Newcastle are gonna give you that sort of chance, or even if it's a half chance, but they are gonna be 
quite sloppy at the back at times. So this is an opportunity for them to then take and, you know, show that they sort of have something to op- offer for the squad. But I mean, the one stat I also want to bring up, I forgot to tell you this like, personally, but I want to bring it up now. Um, with that big chances, there's a stat going around also, of the big chances created, we actually second loss with Norwich being lost. So oh, I mean, wow. that needs serious attention because it really shows you that we are lacking creativity as a whole and not, you know, being really ruthless up front. That's actually, I, I never knew that. And that's actually an alarming sign because, I mean, we can't be um, doing that, you know, messing up. Like, we need to be making more chances. So, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, at the table, I mean, I'll screenshot you the, the, the picture later of that, that whole thing, the table. And I mean, the, the top three is Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea. So, I mean, it's like, and I think Man United are fourth. And then you look at the bottom three, then it's, us, I mean Norwich, then us, and I don't know. Who else, I mean, also one of the teams doing the bottom. Oh, so uh, something needs to be done because you can see, like, uh, look at this. Now was also my last point of that as because I'm gonna drift into the talking point section because I already think like with the one talking point already that I have here is like for me it almost like feels it's, it's, it's becoming like a striker di- dilemma because you've got. You know, I sort of like being in the doldrums with Lacazette, what his future is. Yeah. And then, of course, you've got Aubameyang, who seems to be being less focused now in games. He's also not offering much when he has to also like lead the line, like, you know, in air quotes, alone. But I just think also at times he's not the sort of forward that we expect to have up there, you know, that, that can, you know, bring in players into the, around him and also be an attacking threat or even can handle, uh, you know, taking a fight up alone, playing alone up front. And I mean, if, I'm I'm just, just spitballing names out. But for me, at the moment, I'm now looking even at, at players like that Ivan Tony. Yeah. And even, um, okay, Ollie Watkins has been struggling this season because for some reason, him and Calvert Lewin have really, I mean, Calvert Lewin's been injured for the majority of the, the so far. And then, of course, Watkins is like three goals in the last, I think, 10 or whatever games. But, I mean, that, that aside, I really think that should be almost like a priority. Like, you know, bring in one forward at least for for January. And then you almost like wrap up everything by the summer where you have a, uh, you know, a real, you know, elite type of forward that, that doesn't take over eventually there. Yeah, I know. I, I think we are missing a forward, someone that... You know, can make a difference. And I think Raul Jimenez, you always mentioned him, but I think he's kind of now, he's a 30-year-old yeah. mark, so you can't really invest big in him. But he's he's very good at his, his bringing his overall gameplay. And I think we've missed a guy like that at Anfield. You know, uh, Olivier Giroud has, has mm-hmm. always slated him. He was always getting goals at Anfield or creating. So we need that type of guy that can, like you said, Tony, either Tony could be, um, a good proposition to have just that something somebody strong that can you know bully defenders as well. We don't have a bully. We need a bully and someone with pace that can bring in the game. And I think Abamian is losing that yard of pace as well, where you know defenders are catching up to him now. And I mean another that caught my eye is that Alexander Isaac of Sociedad because I mean I remember watching him when he was at Dortmund back in the day. And I mean, he's still quite young, and, and I just think to myself, he's got that sort of, you know, he's got that, almost like that lanky carnival, but I mean, he's got the pace, he's got the strength, that uh, upper body strength that you need. 
Ja, dann ist weiter real finish auch nicht mehr so. Ist das gar kein Fiorentina? Ich weiß nicht, wie du sehen. Ja, ich habe ihn im Play match, aber ich weiß nicht, wie du siehst. Ja, ich habe ihn gesehen, aber ich weiß nicht, wie du siehst. Ja, ich habe ihn gesehen, aber ich weiß nicht, wie du siehst. Ja, ich habe ihn gesehen, aber ich weiß nicht, wie du siehst. Ja, ich habe ihn gesehen, aber ich weiß nicht, wie du siehst. Ja, ich habe ihn gesehen, aber ich weiß nicht, wie du siehst. Why is also like catching a lot of people's eyes? Like he's he's already in like a mid table or average team, and I mean his goals are actually keeping them afloat. So I think that is why people are say you know really having a, a good look at him because I mean he is like he's capable. He's you know he's got like a hammer left foot. So I mean he's he's deadly with his free kicks. He's um, you know good with finishing as well. And I mean from the air he's also somebody that will do the knockdowns or he can you know do attacking headers as well. Yeah, because we need that kind of. Maybe that's also why we're not creating much chances. Yes, that it comes from the midfield, but your striker also needs to, you know, hold up the ball, play the ball back. I mean, that's why what Giroud did for us, and I keep on hopping on it. You know, mm -hmm. we always used to criticize Giroud that he wasn't scoring enough goals. He scored a fair amount, but he brought the best out of Ramsey, even maybe Sanchez, Özil. You know, he he was working. He created space for them, and I don't think our midfield. Aubameyang creates enough space for a midfield. I could be wrong and saying maybe seeing something, seeing it wrong, but that's just my you know point of view. Yeah. Then I mean the other point I was going to bring up was something that you actually first touched on in the so halfway in the podcast where you know after the the result against Liverpool, you you know you feel almost like you're walking wounded in it. But then I mean when you start thinking almost like rationally, like a few hours after the game, when you start putting things in perspective, and that is where your points that you made really come into play because you, I think sometimes we also forget, or I mean, like speaking for myself, now I end up, you know, winding myself up. And then after the fact, then I start thinking rationally. Then I think, but I mean, Klopp has had now how many years to put a, a league title team together like that and the Champions League team. So, I mean, he's, this group grew up as a, like, you know, bonded in it as a unit. And I mean, if you think all the signings we made roughly played already uh, that uh, weekend game already, so it's only like a squad that had just been patched together over like a period of five months. And they were now expected to take on Liverpool at Anfield and still somehow get something out of it. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's just about being patient with this team, but they are a bunch of young, like, you know, the youngest team in the league. I think how many teams are going to beat Liverpool at Anfield? Yeah. They even lost the game at Anfield this season, no. So, I mean, I know there was problems. But let's be patient with this. And I'm not saying, you know, if we lose against Newcastle, you know, let's be patient. I'm just saying, at the Liverpool side, where not a lot of teams are going to come away with more than a point, if at most. And I think we just need to, you know, dust ourselves off and, you know, on to the next one. And I mean, I think also, you know, just the last part of that, that uh, topic now, I just think sometimes we also need to pick our battles, right? Because... If you're already following, you know, the way we played that first period of the game, then I think to myself, you know, you stick to it and, and, and be disciplined in that. No silly, like, you know, what you were saying with bombing with that, you know, it was a silly foul or reckless foul that ended up, you know, costing us a goal. Whereas if you play a more organized way and even if people say you're boring or whatever, you know, you screw the doubters, then you just, you know, stick to your game plan and you frustrate, frustrate and maybe suck a punch. I mean, if you think, how oh, we beat, uh, Man United last season where it was a game also where we looked like we were going to get played totally off the park and we end up, you know, nicking a, a win at the end. So I just think, you know, that is where Arsenal need to start, you know, 
choose your battles rather. Because I mean, especially with teams like like uh, if you can beat all the smaller teams around you, then you just see these sort of games like Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City. You almost like keep damage limitation to a minimum, or you know, kind of you know, just even if it's like half negative football, you just ground them out and bore them out. Yeah, no, I mean, even if you, you know, like you say, you beat the smaller teams and you lose, then let's say you don't even really lose 1 0, 2 1. You know, it's not the big setback in the goal difference, but you know, that's being said, you know, United play Chelsea, um, West Ham play Man City at the Etihad, they're playing at Stamford Bridge. It's an opportunity for Arsenal to kind of, you know, make a gap between themselves, United. And, you know, you go to Old Trafford, I mean, we aim to win, but if we pick a drop at Old Trafford, it's good enough. There's, we kind of, you know, done the hard part of playing away at Old Trafford and getting something out of it, beating Newcastle. We could still then, you know, be two points, two points then better, I mean, behind West Ham after, you know, catching up to them if they lose to Man City. So, it's just about getting that consistency back, momentum back. And like you said, in those games against the big boys, you you don't ex- you're not expected to get results just yet. We're not title challengers, you know. We we kind of hoping that you're Europa League spot, but that fourth spot is there for the taking. I'm not saying we must get it, but mm-hmm. I'm saying it is there in reach if we perform like we have been to against the yeah. smallest clubs. Fully agree because I'm uh, just glancing between the fixtures. I was just thinking like if we you know somehow eke out something at Old Trafford, then it's like Everton is also very uh, iffy game because. The Rafa is really having a problem with him, you know, with the whole setup of that squad. Then I think December 15th, we play West Ham, which okay. is probably going to be a toughie at, at, the, at the Emirates. Then we got away Leeds, uh, then Carabao Cup on the 21st of December against Sunderland. Then on Boxing Day, it's, it's Norwich. And then I think Wolves. And then, I mean, the real big game is on New Year's Day again, where it's Man City at, at the uh, Emirates. So... I mean, if we can build some sort of run where, as you said now, make a sort of gap on those behind us so that we can also just really focus on the job at hand, you know, you know, really putting the heat on those above us, then you could use these sort of games to, to you know, experiment something in that. Because, look, you know, even like like the, the, the West Ham game is going to be tough. David Moore's got that team running, you know, very smoothly, like a, you know, sound engine. And then, of course, you've got Man City who's almost like, it depends on what they do before, like the week before and the week after, you know, with fixtures. And that is how they normally, you know, set themselves about when they go up, when they, when they take you on. Yeah, I know, 100% agree with you there. I think we can focus. I mean, if we can make a Man City game a free hit, you know, like we did with Liverpool, you can end up, you know, like you said, springing a surprise. But yeah. I mean, you know, if that game, you know, a must-win game, you know, we've yeah. lost three of the last six games and you kind of go into that game. You know, it's a kind of a game where you go in with a negative atmosphere already and then that loss almost, you know, even though you're not expected to win, that loss suddenly now becomes, you know, a major train smash. Yeah. And then I'd like just the final point now for the podcast. Um, after Arteta's press conference today, he actually said Granit Xhaka could actually be available for the uh, Christmas schedule. Oh, that's excellent. I think he brings the best out of party, you know, weirdly enough, and I think it, it kind of allows us to play a bit more quicker because, I mean, he does have that, you know, Hollywood passes at times that comes off, that does work, so you know, good to see him back, you know, sooner than expected. I mean, I still haven't now found the exact date that the, 
you know, those the African contingent leave Arsenal for the um, African Nations Cup because they don't even know when the tournament itself starts. But I think it also comes at the right time that you know we have some like Xhaka back and that, and then also start uh, you know blooding Maitland Niles even more now, integrating more into the squad now. Yeah, no, who knows? You know, maybe he could be someone that could partner Xhaka or Emil yeah. can you know take turns. Partly Jacques and in party have to work for his party in the contract and maybe that was here at the party. Yeah. Okay, so with that, I'm gonna get the podcast. Hope you guys have an enjoyable weekend. Take care guys. Bye. Okay, take care, bye.